Okay, good morning, Faith Fellowship. I mean, I miss you guys. Uh, you know, it's like, it's kind of been a while since we have been in this setting together. Uh, and so, I, yeah, I just miss you uh, during the holidays. It was a good time, but uh, now we are here. And so if you have your Bible, be turning to Luke chapter 12. This morning is a little different than our Samuel uh, study just because it is a little bit still. Um, it's like, you know, you slap water and that ripple still has mission focus on it, right? And, uh, and so what I wanted to do is just a show of hands, who was able to go to mission focus this year? Okay. And, and now let me just also just say, I would encourage you, it would be worth it for those of you that didn't have the chance to go you know, nobody is making you feel bad about it, but it might be worthwhile to have coffee and just get some time with somebody that was there to just see it. You know, this year for me, I really just felt like uh, it was maybe one of the more engaged mission focuses for me because I was able to go to morning and night sessions. And then the conversations I had with uh, Chris Allred or Thomas Harding or um, Justin Bedwell, is that right, James? Um, those conversations were fantastic. I mean, you know, so you're talking about one guy that's, going, that's a church planner that hasn't yet launched but is launching, another guy that's in Zambia, and then Chris Allred is the guy coming up to replace Thomas when he goes to Portland, and so, which is a missionary kid, grew up in Mexico. And so, yeah, I, I had a really rich rich time. And so I just want to give you just to maybe uh, stoke that fire for you to go back and listen to uh, the messages is just to give you a, a, just a quick summary of the things that you're going to come across. So from night one, what you have was Pastor Jay Shook taught from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8 verses 1 through 5. And the thing that we learned there was we're reminded of the necessity of being a person of godly character in order to fulfill the calling of God. And how he used that was in terms of the collection that was made for the church of, of Jerusalem and what it took for somebody to be worthwhile to do that job. It's an important function, you know, it wasn't something just lighthearted, they weren't just gonna let anybody do. And so having, being of great character, godly character in particular, was that, I, obviously I'm not gonna give you the points because you need to listen to it on your own. Uh, as has been said, Pastor Brian Clark's lot of chatter and discussion uh, about that taught from Esther 1. Here a contrast was made between the rebellious uh, um, uh, bride Vashti, which you know is a picture of Laodicea and church age, and then the remnant bride, uh, Esther. And in this contrast, we see we're a part of the Laodicea and church age, but we could also be the remnant that is victorious in these last days by virtue. So that essentially that our virtue could be something of great victory and that people would be drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ because, well, we just choose to live in the holiness that he has provided for us, right? And so that was incredible. And then, of course, our guy, Pastor Sam, taught from Genesis again. <laughs> and so now it wasn't, thank God, not another year uh, of that, but... He did go through those first three chapters. The focus here was on Adam and Eve hiding from God. And the example uh, basically was a warning for us. 
Because the thing is, in terms of a warning, when God calls us out, we need to stop hiding and then answer the call. And so we can see that there is a point of that. And so, man, I'm telling you, I am doing this summary on purpose, no justice, on purpose, because really everybody should listen to it. Man, God was moving on the hearts of these men, and uh, it was fantastic. And so there's that. So today, all I want to do is just further sharpen our focus. Obviously, I have another task that I need to take care of, which I'm super pumped about. <laughs> baptizing, dear Alexis. But before that, man, let's get in the Word. Luke 12. Luke 12. We got a big stretch of passage here I'm going to read to you. And, um, and so, let's do that. Luke 12. Starting in verse 13, going to 34. And one of the companies said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divided the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who had made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, Ground uh, of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no more room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for, uh, goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Boy, that sounds awfully eerily similar. To Revelations 3. <laughs> uh, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for the body, what you shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they sow not nor reap, which neither have storehouses nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, uh, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? And if ye then be not able to do that thing which is, at, which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothe the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye, uh, excuse me, and seek not ye what ye shall eat, or what you shall drink, neither be of doubtful mind, for all these things do the nations of the uh, Gentiles, nations of the world seek after, and your father knoweth that ye have need of these things, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Man, that is such a comforting verse. Sell that ye have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old and treasure in the heavens that faileth not. Where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so, listen, in terms of coming off of mission focus and this kind of reprimand that we got and received, um, and just really to, to get our head on straight of what it is that we need to be looking at, man, we understand that, man, I need to be about my father's business. 
But when you read this and you look at this and he mentions a word like kingdom, the kingdom sounds big because it is. And it seems impossible. And I think the wrestling match a lot of times is, is how, how does this relate to my life and what am I going to do? And, and how do I basically pair this great uh, commission before me down to something that I can actually physically do on a day-to-day -day basis? Day-to-day. -day. How do I maintain this focus? Man, we can get all jazzed up on mission focus, and I'm telling you, next week you can be like, it's gone. And we're back to the things that just distract and hinder. And so we need a sharpened focus. I understand that the scope seems impossible to comprehend. But let me tell you, man, we just need to chunk this thing down and see what really the Lord is, is saying to us. Now, if we just do a simple outline, you know how we like to do, of Luke 12, essentially this is a warning against the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. And in particular, the Lord used the terminology, the leaven of the Pharisees. So now you think about something that could puff up. We know that's what leaven does, like yeast and bread. It gives it its, its size and volume. And so now what we have are those first 12 verses, fear God, not man. Because the Pharisees essentially, uh, they have heavy burdens they put on the people of Israel. And people would have a tendency to obey their rule versus what it is that God is calling them to do. Fear God, not man, Jesus says. Then, in 13 to 34, seek the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of self. Seek the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of self. See, this is why he says in verse 31, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. In 35 through 48, you see uh, the circum uh, excuse me, there's a comparison between being circumspect and being careless. Being circumspect and being careless. And then in 49 through 59, you see righteous judgment versus man's judgment. Now, our focus for this morning is going to be that section 13 through 34. Seek the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of self. Listen, faith fellowship, one of the things that is the challenge of our age group, okay, and that being from essentially by the time you are maybe in college still, but you're kind of coming out, man, you're starting to set your sights to the things of life. You want a career, you want a spouse, you want children, you want community, you want your fulfillment to kind of come of those things. And then when the Lord blesses those things, boy, the Lord just ends up on the back burner. See, the chief concern is this, the care that we place on the things mentioned in this passage of life causes us to have little care left for the things of God. The care that we place on the things of this life causes us to have little care left for the things of God. See, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying it like that because I'm telling you the order that we place it. The things of God is like the leftover. See, there's something I 
I want you to get down. The pursuit of a happy life becomes the chief pursuit of life for many. The pursuit of a happy life becomes the chief pursuit of life. Friends and associates that think like I think, lovers that may meet my needs, children that reflect my values and jobs that fulfill me. Lord, I want a happy life. It was interesting in preparation for this, I was looking at 52 weeks, you guys may have come across it. And you know the one struggle with, um, for us a little bit is that, and I didn't even really think about it like that till Trotter had written that down. So we <laughs> tend to do well, sort of, <laughs> with the idea of the kingdom of God. We know that's the spiritual kingdom. We know that we should be about the uh, um, proselytizing and, and professing of Jesus Christ to people and that we're trying to receive the body of Christ that way through the kingdom of God, right? But the one thing that the danger is, is because there is such a focus on that, what you then try to do is balance on a, a thin line between creating your own kingdom because you really don't care about the kingdom of heaven. See, what you have learned is that's Israel's kingdom. So then what you kind of do is because you're not like dying to have the kingdom of God show up and that you're dying to have the kingdom of heaven even be on the earth, it's like, well, let me try to balance the two. I'm going to have my kingdom and his kingdom because I'm already settled with my salvation. So now let me make sure I get what I want out of life. It's dangerous. It feels like a trap because it is. And so let's look at a couple things here. In 13 through 34, if we just shorten that outline, we'll say, okay, some of the highlights of pursuing our kingdom are going to work out to be like this. Between verses 13 through 15, that's going to look like entitlement. Verses 13 through 15, that's going to look like entitlement. Verses 16 through 21, you're going to see that that's going to make us desire excess. You never come to a place where you've had enough. And so you just keep trying to get more stuff. And boy, the interesting thing is, between that entitlement and that excess, the next thing is we are led to be encumbered, verses 22 to 34. So now let's dive in and look at these things here. And in 13 through 15, you see, it says, uh, And one of the company said to him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, sir? Speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. Uh, it, it's his inheritance. No. <laughs> like, what, I mean, why do you think that you are owed anything, right? There's this thing, this entitlement that kind of comes. And boy, the family dynamics and when people die in families that leave, fam that will tear a family apart. Tear a family apart. Just a little side note of wisdom. In your family, if you have something to leave, okay, make sure you set up an individual that can be, a, what is it, power of attorney so that they can 
you know, distribute amongst the individuals, uh, how they legally <laughs> versus leaving it to a person's feeling or whatnot. Just a side note. Back to this, though. Verse 14. Now, notice Jesus respond here. And he said to them, man, who have made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. This leads us to our first key point. When Jesus is your master, you will be content. See, the thing is, is like you got to start asking yourself this questions already. Again, so that we don't lose the fervor by which the word of God was taught for mission focus and just how you're processing it. Praise the Lord that maybe you had some sort of response, but I pray that it's not just emotional and that you actually follow through on what it is that God gave you. The question on the floor then will be, is Jesus your master? Are you good with him being in control? Are you good with whatever he says that you have that you say amen? See, Jesus himself is our greatest possession. And the thing is, is guys, we got to stop putting things on the shelf that have any, like the Lord is here. And then we say, well, this is here and this is here. They're not equal. They're not equal. What you have in the Lord Jesus Christ is far greater than anything else that you could possibly gain for yourself. John 17, 18 through 21 says this, and, th and as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Why? That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Guys, there is no greater community, no greater possession than that that says that you are now connected to God the Father and Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit is in you. Listen, we have to come to terms with if all I get out of this life is what I currently have, then God is just in his decision. God is just. And I'm blessed because of it. Listen, I, it's a wrestling match for all of us because, you know, the way the TV just constantly is selling you. And now your phone is doing it. And now if you... This is listening to me, and so I will say something, and then there will be Volvo commercials or something when I go to YouTube. I, you know, you are bombarded with it constantly. But the thing is, is like, what, what kind of message are we sending back to the Lord? Man, it's kind of like, you know, I appreciate your salvation, but what can you do for me now? Man, it doesn't make any sense to me that I have connection with Jesus Christ and God the Father now. That makes no sense. <laughs> no sense. That they're not just like completely grossed out by me and what I am, what I'm made up. They're happy to do it. Happy to have me. And yet all I constantly say is, well, thanks, Dad. That's good. I really need this new truck. And I know I'm making light of it, but I'm telling you, 
It's, it's just the thing that we do. There's this kind of entitled view that, man, you know, especially in America, it's like, what is it, the uh, um, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Like, that's our motto. That's not biblical, <laughs> right? Life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Like, oh, okay, now we're in trouble. And so, man, you gotta come, you gotta land on a spot that says, the Lord is my master and I'm content with my current state. This will stop the manipulation. This will stop you trying to always make things work out in a way that, that, that you feel like it should be. And essentially, it makes you pliable to, okay, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. The next thing that I wanted to look at was excess. And as this excess, notice how this thing is set up here. In verse 16, it says, and he spake a parable unto them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. There is work being applied here. This individual is rich enough, so he probably has a crew of individuals out there farming the land. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. Now, we're not giving the extra to the poor. We're not, I mean, we, I got a lot. And he said, this is what I do. I'm going to pull these barns down. I'm going to build some bigger ones. And we'll bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thy knees. He's a prepper. <laughs> I mean, kind of. <laughs> this is that interesting focus when you're just worried about the wrong thing. Wasn't it interesting in COVID? Why did the toilet paper go so quick? Well, how was that going to help us? I don't understand. <laughs> Man, he went, I was like, yeah, you can't eat it. Like, I, don't, <laughs> I didn't understand. I'm like, wow, this is the toilet paper. We're just like, Man, I, you're not eating. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> but it's just this weird thing that we have, right? We like to collect. You think about Something that you guys know, you know, I like, I was telling my barber, I rephrased it. I said, uh, I'm not a sneakerhead. I'm a person that likes sneakers. It's different. Because I don't care about keeping them. Ask my nephews. They're wearing my shoes probably right now. A lot of them. Verse 20. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be? Man, amen. <laughs> You're going to die. And then what? Them barns and that fruit that you was all worried about. Somebody else is going to take advantage of it. What, then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Next key point. The collection of things will never satisfy the surrendered saint. The collection of things will never satisfy the surrendered saint. So now the question on the floor is this. Have you surrendered? Listen, I know you like your stuff. You like to collect these things. You want to get one through. And they, they develop it in you young. You know, if you like comic books, that's the kind of thing that they start very early. They're numbered. You want that number. 
there are certain things that come in terms of value with the number of, say, a comic book. And, man, I know. Trust me. I get it. It's cool. Uh, but get this. Jesus wants you to collect souls, not stuff. Jesus wants you to collect souls, not stuff. Romans 6, 20 and 23, for when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had you in those things whereof you are now ashamed? I love that. For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so perhaps it is that, you know, you don't have that. You haven't surrendered in the, in the aspect of, of salvation. Or maybe you have, and now you just need to, you and the Lord need to have an honest-to-God conversation. You need to surrender your life back to him and be about his business. See, we must seek the Lord's wisdom and never forget just how little time we have left. Man, it takes time to collect stuff, and it takes time to collect souls. And what you got to figure out is which time should you be spending your time on? I'm just telling you. See, everybody, you know, we, we all feel pretty good. I mean, maybe you got a headache or you got some other serious things going on, but you feel pretty good. And so a little bit in your head, you're not really sure. It's not like there's a clock going on in your body that's like, winding down that you are aware of. The Lord knows it, right? But you're not aware. And so you just end up wasting a lot of time on frivolous, silly things. Man, and that leads us really to this next spot. You become encumbered. Now your worry is all over the place. You had, you started out entitled then you, you dove headfirst into excess, and now you just feel like you're weighted. You just want to set all the stuff you got on fire. Anybody ever been there before? <laughs> did you set it on? Did you do it? <laughs> we've, had, we've had a chance to um, sell all of our stuff before, just because, and all we did was just get more stuff. <laughs> but... The thing was, we sold all of our stuff. That was like the most freeing thing ever. Just like to put a, I mean, and I'm, guys, it was a liquidation sale. Everything must go. Like the prices of this stuff, all my nephews looking at the sh they was, shoes are like, Dell, are you sure? <laughs> Take it. <laughs> you know? And I, man, so then to move, I didn't have all this stuff to move. Because moving is awful. And it's a reminder. God put in place there. See, all this crap you got, you hate it. <laughs> Let's get into this right here. Okay, so being encumbered. Look at the things here that we have and all of our concern. And he said to his disciples, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for the body, what you shall put on. The life is more than meat. And the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they sow nor reap, neither have storehouses nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are you better than the fowls? 
Boy, those jokers don't ever look hungry. <laughs> they eat all the time. And the Lord said, and I value you more. Then he goes on to say, and I love, I, I love this. And which of you, by taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? And Lord, we waste a lot of thoughts, and ain't no cubits gaining. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> what are you talking about? No. <laughs> God says no. Because see, look. Consider the lilies, how they grow. And I just started thinking about flowers. Went to the grocery store, walked in, they had flowers. Gorgeous. There's colors on those things. You're just like, how, what, what was the Lord thinking? This is like velvet, purple, plum color, silver, roses. I mean, you know, gorgeous the way flowers look, the way some animals, they could change color because it's snow on the ground. And you are more valuable <laughs> than that. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not, and yet I say unto you that Solomon, all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast in the oven, how much more will he clothe ye, or ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of a doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. It is disrespectful for you to worry about it as if the Lord who saved you now all of a sudden is going to say, well, you're hungry. I don't know what to do. Good luck. But rather, seek ye the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that you have, give alms, provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, y'all, listen, there will your heart be also. And so listen, here's our last key point. When our preeminent pursuit is God's kingdom, we can take comfort in the promise of God's provision. When our preeminent pursuit is God's kingdom, we can take comfort in the promise of God's provision. So, I, never have I seen the righteous forsaken. I just haven't done it. I haven't. You know what I see often? Especially of, and I'm, I'm in a fortune position. Obviously, I know a lot of missionaries or church planners, and I get a chance to have a conversation, even with pastors, that's more insight to how the Lord came through in a, in a pinch. And the Lord now, now, okay, let's be honest. We know how the Lord likes to roll. He'll let you get about this close to the ledge. It might even be like this. And then he goes, no, nah, you're good. It's fine. Come on. He thought I was going to leave you out there like that. Because it takes no... It takes no faith for everything to just work out. See, he needs to enact in you desperation. Why? Because if not, we just start that cycle again. Entitlement, excess. See what I'm saying? So how do I stop that desperation? <laughs> Lord, please, I don't know how this is going to work out. If you don't come through right now, we're toast. 
I mean, I've had prayers to God like that, and the Lord just absolutely, within hours, answered my prayer. He's quick. Not Jimmy John's. They're not quick enough. They really aren't quick enough sometimes. <laughs> See, I'm telling y'all, listen, as a result of what you learn in Mission Focus and how this class is going to function and have success this year, we only have one true focus in this life, y'all. That's his kingdom. 2 Timothy, I love what Paul says here. 2 Timothy 4, 5 through 8. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Why? Because you know what? Earlier when we were talking about time, for now I'm ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them also that love his appearing. Will you be one of those? Or will you kind of be looking in the clouds like, dang it, I didn't get to. And whatever you're about to say is about to be dumb. Just <laughs> don't. Say it. Don't fill in that blank. Just leave it blank. Like, uh, we'll just be silent. Yes, I'm glad the Lord is here. Let's go. Man, you know, young couples really wrestle with this because they're like, please, Lord, don't show up before we get married. What? That's dumb. You get to be married to the Lord Jesus Christ. But, I, man, I, Serena and I said it, and the Lord came through 24 years later. <laughs> you know, we don't have to. So, so listen. A lot of times, the preacher will often try to make time feel like um, it is this thing that's just leaving you a great deal. But you know what? The Lord is gracious, and he does, he does give you time. And he gives you time to figure these things out. And he gives you time for you to stop being entitled, stop desiring excess, stop being encumbered about with all the, the cares of this life. Why? So that your focus can be sharpened. So see, mission focus serves a great purpose because basically that's like the Lord sending a lifeline once a year, but then you get it every week from the preaching. The Lord is trying to get your attention. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do? Man, he's equipped you with everything. You belong to him and he is yours. And so let's pare it down to the simple things. The simple things I want y'all to focus on, faith fellowship, I have here are, uh, go to the next slide. Faith fellowship's vision statement. This is what we set to do. By faithfully attending upon the values, mission, and principles set by the word of God, we will bear fruit for our Lord. This will have an impact on our family, friends, and surrounding community until the Lord returns. That is our vision statement for this class. And what I need from y'all is for y'all to get on board with that. Man, I can't be in the circles and spaces and places that you are. So I need you to be about your father's business so that the people that are in the circles that you have influence over, that the Lord would use you mightily in those places. Why? Because you're saying to the Lord, you are my chief pursuit. So, Lord, I desire fruit.
So let me give you the two goals. You guys know them? Wait a minute. Go back because I saw people writing. So this is our vision statement. And our goals haven't changed. And actually, if you looked into your notes from last year, the vision statement was the same last year because it's going to be the same. <laughs> That's how this goes. Okay? Can I go to the next slide, y'all? These are the two goals. So let's pair that big word kingdom down into a little small space. What we hope to establish in this class are shepherds and evangelists. Of the shepherd side of it, you, man, listen. If you're a, a parent, you are an aunt, you're an uncle, you're a discipler, you are a pastor, you are uh, the loudest one in your crew of friends, whatever. You have influence over individuals, and you need to steward that, relate those relationships well. And then secondly, evangelists. Oh, no, yeah, go back. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I kind of, Banner White, he moved too quick on me. <laughs> So, secondly, what do we do with that influence? Man, we share the gospel with it. We keep it simple. See, I know it's a big world. Seek ye the kingdom. And you're like, ah, how do I do that? Well, preach Christ, make disciples. That's how. And you know how you can start that? Our Bible studies. Now, I'm going to do a little quiz real quick. When are the men's Bible studies? What weeks, guys? Odd weeks. That's a, that's a kind of, yes, sort of. That's kind of right. <laughs> it's the first and third. Where do we meet? Boiler room. Okay. So the first and third week we meet in the boiler room. Ladies, when do y'all meet? Second and the fourth. Now, I can't say where y'all meet because it's kind of all over the city. <laughs> all right? If you're not in one of them Bible studies, guess what you could do in order to help you reach these goals? Seek ye first the kingdom. Man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be centered around God's word. That's a good place for you to start. The other thing we need to do, and we're going to wrap up real quick. Why? Because, well, we need to be in support of our dear Alex. Alexis. Who's getting baptized? Miss Donna got baptized today. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> and so, man, the Lord is at work. This is not to beat you up or any of that. It's just to sharpen that focus. Okay? Man, let's be about our Father's business. Let's pray, and then we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for today. And Father, thank you just for um, just the the simplicity of your word and the warning that it gives and then the, the the answers for the way out lord help us we we do feel entitled sometimes we, we we're upset because of what we have and it's not good enough and father forgive us for for that attitude and then lord sometimes we just are a collector we don't even know all the stuff we have we just got stuff and then lord we just we worry as if you were <laughs> would leave us or forsake us of which you said you won't lord help us to just lean in to who you are and your true character and that we would trust in that father help us to have a focus that makes the kingdom preeminent in our lives 
Um, Lord, thank you so much um, just for what you've done and given us this ministry of reconciliation. I pray, Lord, please give us fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.